Welcome to Keep You 100 Radio. I'm your host, Felicity Pointer, type 1 diabetic, certified health coach, personal trainer, and founder of Needles and Spoons Health and Wellness. Inside this podcast, you'll find the real and raw conversations around diabetes management, including the lessons that we don't learn in our endos office, my best tips and trainings, and conversations from the experts that I trust inside the community so that you can create more predictability in your diabetes management and feel empowered while doing so. Let's dive in. Before we dive into this episode, I need to tell you about the newest Skin Grip launch. I don't usually brag about products that much, but when there are genuine companies out there making life with diabetes easier, I really do think that everybody should know about them. Skin Grip just launched their newest Skin Grip Mats Collection for the Dexcom G Sits and Freestyle Libre. Not only is this a smaller in size, high performance, and non frightening option, but let me tell you, it works. I was lucky enough to be able to try them out, and first of all, this thing did not even lift. And the more impressive thing is that I was wearing my Dexcom on my leg at this time. And we all know that that is not always possible. What I really loved about it was that it's really discreet, which I really appreciated. As much as I'm comfortable showing off my diabetes, sometimes I just want my devices to lay low. This new collection is all about Matt's performance, Matt's protection, and Matt's comfort. You can try them out for yourself at skingrip.com using the code LISSIE, L-I-S-S-I-E, to save. Now let's dive into the episode. Welcome back to another episode of Keep You 100 Radio. Today, we're sitting with Jessica Herdlicka, our nutrition coach inside of Keep You 100, a registered dietitian and certified diabetes care and education specialist. I will let you introduce yourself for anybody who hasn't met you before. Yeah. Hi, my name is Jess. Um, like Lizzie said, I'm a registered dietitian, diabetes educator. I've been in the field now for over a decade. I'm the, nutri- the nutrition coach inside of Keeping It 100. Um, I'm excited to be here, chat all about food, nutrition um, without restriction. It's crazy to think that actually you've been in this field longer than I've been diagnosed with diabetes. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. <laughs> But it's like we're always learning new things. It's crazy. I know. I love it. But it's really interesting because you always put yourself in the perspective of somebody living with diabetes, which I I love for, you know, this podcast. I love for all of our clients and our members. So it's just really cool for you to have that experience as somebody who actually doesn't live with diabetes. So I'm excited. But today I really want to chat about a common theme that I feel we all run into as people living with diabetes. And that's high carb, high fat meals and how difficult they can be to navigate. I know for sure. Okay. Example, the other night I had pad thai for dinner and honestly, it was a disaster. No matter how proactive I tried to be, I was high for like four hours. So I'd love to hear a little bit about kind of that strategy, kind of why it is different to treat than other meals and just any input from a registered dietitian that we can, can learn from. Yeah, the high fat, high carb meals are definitely difficult, um, but they're not impossible. And we always encourage just because something doesn't work the first time doesn't mean you can't try and try again to make it work for your blood sugar. But basically why they are difficult to bolus for, or you may see those higher blood sugars are because the fat content of the meal is going to ultimately slow down your blood sugar spike. So even if you're eating something high carb, like noodles or rice, If you're having a lot of fat, like oils, fried foods, fatty meat, um, you will see that delay in your blood sugar rise. Also, um, higher fat meals can sometimes increase insulin resistance, specifically meals high in saturated fat, something like sausage or bacon or cheese. Um, So that also can make you slightly more insulin resistant, which is why you may need more insulin or you may see that lingering high. 
Can you go, go a little bit deeper into what's the difference between a healthy fat and saturated fat? Yeah, so the um, unsaturated fats would be more of olive oil, avocado oil, olives and avocados, of course, um, any kind of like nuts and seeds, even um, seed oils are more um, polyunsaturated uh, than the saturated fats. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, I think those are the main ones. Any kind of nuts, seeds, avocados, olives, um, whereas the saturated fats would be more of the fats that are coming from animal products. So um, something that would be in like ice cream, cheese, butter, bacon, any of the higher fat uh, meats, you know, like steak, sausage. Um, and also coconut oil would be a saturated fat and uh, more more that dairy, like creams and butters, things like that. So what's kind of happening that causes me to see more of that delayed spike? It's pretty much the fat slowing down the digestion of the meal. So our body digests carbs the quickest, which is why if you've ever, you know, for your low snacks, you're treating those quick acting carbs because those will spike it up the quickest. Um, protein takes a longer time to digest and then fat probably takes the longest. So it's just delayed gastric emptying essentially. So it's not the carbs aren't hitting your blood sugar as quickly because the fat is really taking its time to slow it down. That can definitely make sense based on what I'm seeing in my blood sugars. What would you consider a high fat meal? Like how would I know the difference between my plates and like what I should actually be looking for or when I should be looking for that delayed spike? So the higher fat meals are going to be anything that's over about 25 grams of fat. Um, so again, you could always look up the macronutrient breakdown of your meal. Um, quintessential high fat, high carb meals would be something like pizza, right? That generally has a lot of fat with cheese and sausage pepperoni. Um, if you're talking about some Chinese food, um, just because they use a lot of oil in the cooking, or if something happens to be fried or like fried rice, um, or if something has, um, like I said, a lot of cheese or a lot of butter, like an Alfredo, um, you know, cheeseburger, French fry, those kind of fried foods, um, foods that have more oil in them. Sounds, sounds super familiar with a lot of what I get from restaurants. <laughs> what are some strategies that I can utilize to navigate that delayed spike um, while I'm eating these foods? Definitely the first thing is try to get a good carb count. I know it's difficult with meals, but I think when we guess that can be more detrimental because then we're not knowing what is actually working or where we're starting from. So really try to get a good carb countdown. Um, the second thing I would recommend is maybe trying an extended bolus or splitting your dose if you're on MDI. Because you're going to see that delay in the spike in your blood sugar, you may need that insulin, you know, dripped out over several hours, um, or maybe you need some of your insulin now and then some of your insulin later to kind of hit that delayed spike. Um, that can take time to play around with, you know, what works for you, what percentages work and how much. Um, but like I said, just because it doesn't work the first time, definitely try it again with a different strategy and see how that works for you. Yes. I love that. I'd rather try a food 20 different times than give it up altogether, especially if it's something that I like. <laughs> what would happen if say I took the bolus all up front? Is there any benefit to that? Any con of that? So what could potentially happen if you dosed all up front is you might actually go low. 
before you start to see that rise. So yes, it does take, you know, 10 to 20 minutes for the insulin to work, but essentially that peak in insulin action time is 60 to 90 minutes after the injection. So if your food is is digesting slower and you're not seeing that rise until hour two, three, or four, you're already having that low before that rise has even happened. And then that really sucks because especially if you're eating a meal, now you're having to treat a low and you might be really full. Yeah, that is definitely the worst. (laughs) So if I'm trying a new food and I know it's high carb, high fat, what are just some things that I should be noting down, things that I should be paying attention to so that if it doesn't work, I can try again? Yeah, so again, I would try to carb count, get the macronutrient amounts down the best that you can. Keep a note of that so that you have it for next time, especially if it's something that you like. Why not really carb count it out once so then the next time you know you already know what that is. Um, the second thing I would do is, you know, look at what your current blood sugar is. And then if you're going to try and extend a bolus, what is the time frame you're going to use? Is that two hour, three hour, four hour? What percentages are you going to use? Or if you're going to split your dose, you know, how many units did you give up front? How many units did you give at say hour two? Um, just keeping a note of that, you know, what was your blood sugar before and after? How did your body respond? So that next time you have that meal, you can say, okay, I went a little bit low up front. So maybe I'll do less insulin up front this time. And you can play around with those percentages or the extension. I love that. Yeah. My favorite thing to do is take a screenshot of my Dutzcom graph and put it in my notes section of my phone. So I have it for later. So I can be like, okay, this did not work last time. Let me try again this time. And actually I'm having my leftover pad thai tonight. So I'm going to implement some of these tips. (laughs) Thank you so much, Jess. You're welcome.